This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season two. It's episode 84, breaking down the Cubs bullpen. And as Crowley mentioned, in this segment, Crowley talks to Tony Andracki, Cubs beat writer for Marquee Sports Network, to discuss the direction he thinks the Cubs will go to improve the bullpen next season. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you recognize him from his work on Marquee Sports Network. We have Cubs beat writer Tony Andracki. Tony, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing all right. Uh, hoping the World Series kind of gets back on track. That that game was a game. That game five was just a disaster. Yeah, are you uh, are you pulling for the Diamondbacks then? Um, no, I'm just I, I just like competitive baseball. To be honest okay. with you, I I, I keep joking. I want to go to opening day in Texas. So if the Rangers win, you know the prices are going to be way jacked for the for the pennant raising and all that stuff and the ring ceremony. So. I could I could go with Arizona, but I don't care either way as long as it's just a fun series, you know. No, for sure, and I think I do think there is some element of like the Diamondbacks are essentially the team that eliminated the Cubs, right? Like they got the final playoff spot, and they're the reason the Cubs weren't in the playoffs. If they go on to win the World Series, I think there's there's a little bit of that. Like we just talked to Jamison Tyone the other day about it. You know, he was in studio and on the podcast, and he was like, it was a good good reminder of like we were this close, we're like so. Uh, so close to being one of the teams in. And it's also a good reminder you get into the tournament and like you could be the last wildcard team and you could ride it all the way to the World Series if you if everything clicks, if you get hot. And I think that is a really good reminder for the Cubs. Like this is a good takeaway kind of postseason for how close they might be. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that kind of hurt them at the end is the bullpen, which is, you know, you just had an article you've been doing, your own State of the Cubs, where you kind of, you know, been addressing different um, positions on the team. And, and, you know, we were talking in the first segment of the podcast about the bullpen. And, and for me, I just felt like this was kind of an, you know, in the last few years, they've done like a lot of like sign and flips, you know what I mean? Yep. Whether you talk about David Robinson or whether you're talking about Scott Efros or, you know, a lot of these guys that they had, um, you know, that they would then turn around and flip and get good prospects for. And this year, you know, I think that they, they went for, what was it? They went for a couple of guys with Boxberger and Michael Fulmer, and they didn't really seem to pan out too well this year. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I think Fulmer, obviously, like for a good stretch there, he was a big part of the bullpen. He was the – he would occasionally – I think there was like one or two times he came in in like the second or third inning, but he was like the fifth or sixth inning like gap bridger kind of guy that he would he would get the ball to Julian Merriweather or Mark Leiter Jr., who then would set up for Edward Alzali. And I think when the bullpen was rolling, that when the Cubs were rolling at their best, 
It was when Fulmer was healthy, when David Ross had multiple options. Maybe if a guy was down, then Fulmer was available in the seventh inning. So I think when just having all of those options was a huge component of it all. And then when he was hurt down the stretch with a forearm injury, that really impacted the team. Now he's going to miss the 2024 season to address the same issue. And at the start of the year, too, I mean, Fulmer was the first guy who got the closing opportunity, looked pretty good for a couple of outings, then faced the Dodgers and really struggled, right? Like he struggled against the Dodgers multiple times. And uh, I think it was Houston where he gave up, you know, uh, not really a cheap homer, but like the Crawford boxes and stuff. There yeah. is an aspect of it. He seemed like he was unlucky. He definitely struggled for a bit at the start there. So, you know, it, it worked out in some sense. It didn't in others. Obviously, him being unavailable down the stretch was, I think, one of the biggest things you can point to as to why the bullpen faded. Brad Boxberger, yeah, I mean, it, he never really got going. Like, veteran who has a ton of experience closing, pitching in uh, in high leverage moments, and he was just hurt. He missed four months with a forearm injury, came back for a few outings, and then went right back in the aisle with a forearm injury again. So, I, I don't know what to expect. I think there's like a $5 million mutual option for the Cubs with Boxberger. I don't see the team taking that for a guy who is coming off a tough year in his mid thirties. Now, I, you know, 5 million is kind of a big price to pay. So I, I don't anticipate either of them pitching for the Cubs again. Like we said, Fulmer's already hurt, but yeah, Boxberger, it, it didn't quite work out. The Merriweather signing though, or like the claiming on waivers in January, that worked out really, really well for the team, like a very underrated move. That ended up paying huge dividends, I think, for this bullpen. Yeah, and he was really that last guy standing in September other than a bunch of kids. You know, yeah. he was with all the injuries that piled up. Merriweather really kind of saved this team, like you said, and kept him in it till the end. Um, you know, Adbert Alzali was someone that I even talked about at the beginning of last season saying, like, this is a guy that could have closer potential. You know, I think the thing about him has always been, you know, how lefties hit him. But you're not facing that many lefties in the ninth inning. You know what I mean? And, and, and you can, you're giving it a little bit more gas. You have more energy because you don't have to conserve anything. I thought when, when Alzali, like, you know, was closing, it just really looked like he really looked great. The question has always been to me about Alzali. It's never been about the stuff, but can he stay healthy for a 162 game season? Yeah, I, I think that's a very valid question. And all of last season, meaning 2022, he missed almost the entire year with a lat injury, which the same thing happened in 2018. So uh, yeah, he, has to prove that he can stay healthy all year. He has to prove that he can get lefties out on a consistent basis. As you mentioned, he succeeded in that in 2023 and uh, down the, you know, up until the last, what, two, three weeks of the season, he was healthy as well. Uh, so he was a big factor. And I think one of the best stories of the team and certainly of the bullpen was like you said, him claiming that closers role, really earning it and going from there. I think some of the most excitement surrounding the team this year was like when he would close and he would get, just so jacked up that his, I mean, I thought he might get hurt with some of those like fist pumps that he would do at the end of the games or the way he would <laughs> high five guys and celebrate. So it ultimately ended up being a forearm injury. I, I do think there's something to the fact with like him or lighter guys who have been starters for most of their career and have never really gone full wired or wire as relievers, as guys who are maybe pitching three days in a row or pitching three or four times in a week or having 60 plus appearances in a season. Like they're not used to that. So I think that does explain a little bit of the, their particular, their individual fades on the stretch. I think the Cubs will be better for that. And those guys will be better for that in 24. But yeah, I mean, you know, Alzale emerging as a closer, I think is a huge question answered uh, going into next season as they build the bullpen. Now, Mark Leiter, you know, was an interesting one where, you know, he pitched, like you said, this is the first time he's doing it, but it seemed like something happened with that split finger. And if you look at his numbers in September, the K rate and all that stuff, 
it looked like, you know, I don't know if it was just exhaustion or what, but it, it seemed like he didn't want to throw his best pitch, you know? And, and I thought like for sure that maybe they would announce an injury of some type after the season, but I've, I've heard nothing, you know, what, do you think it was just, you know, fatigue or, or what was happening with him? I, yeah, I don't know for sure. My guess would be that it, it is some element of fatigue or some something wasn't right physically that made it difficult for him to to throw that pitch to operate at his best. Uh, there were two different stretches. Remember, late August, early September, went in Cincinnati. He didn't pitch because I think David Ross used the term like barking, things like barking for lighter. So he was down for like almost a week there. And then there was like an eight day stretch before Atlanta where lighter didn't pitch either. You know, the whole homestand prior to that, I think Merriweather worked like three days in a row and lighter wasn't out there. So, uh, yeah, you know, between like two stretches, two week long stretches in the final month plus of the season certainly indicates like he was struggling with something physically. And, um, you know, he did not go on the IL like Fulmer, like Alzelay or whatever, like these other guys did. But to be unavailable for almost two weeks in that stretch certainly hurt the, the bullpen, especially because it's not like they had another roster spot there. So I don't know. I mean, I would kind of point to all of September and really the last few weeks of lighter of just fading down the stretch of dealing with whatever it was physically that he was dealing with. I, I'm not to say that like he guaranteed will be as good as he was April through August next season. But I think the the better bet would be that longer sample size of like he was really good pitcher, led the team in holds. I think he had like 28 holds, you know, was good against lefties and righties. I, I think the Cubs have found something there in a high leverage arm that they can use moving forward. And it you can't necessarily throw it all out. But like I do think that the, the fading down the stretch was just a physical aspect of it all that he's just not used to this. Remember, too, like this guy missed several years or a year plus coming off of Tommy John surgery. Like when the Cubs signed him last year, when he was coming back in 2022 to be first in the rotation and then the bullpen, that was him coming back off of injury after missing several seasons with it. So it, it's a guy that like he has to get healthy and, and pitch wire to wire. He did that to some extent in 23. I anticipate it'll probably take a little bit more of a step forward at that in 2024. Now, someone that came out of the pen at the end of the season that didn't start there was Drew Smiley. The Cubs are going to pay him $10.5 million for 2024. Now, do you think that he is going to have a chance in spring training to compete for a starter's role, or do you think they're going to want to use him um, just as out of the bullpen as a lefty option? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's $10.5 million to spend on a guy who's ultimately going to be a middle reliever is a lot of money. Like, he'd be paying they'd be paying him more than their closer and their top two setup guys or maybe even top three or four setup guys combined so that seems unlikely it seems most likely that they will probably let him have an opportunity to try to win a rotation spot out of spring training maybe that means like somebody like jordan wicks will start the year in the minor leagues which isn't a crazy thought right like he pitched pretty well uh but still a rookie still has some some learning curve didn't even face you know pitch a whole season in triple a so maybe it's something like that maybe they try to move him this offseason i don't know for sure but yeah ten and a half million dollars is certainly a lot to be paying a guy who while he looked good out of the bullpen is still um not pitching in the highest leverage situations there so and, and the cubs also i think they have a better opportunity to go out and get lefties Luke Little is an interesting option. Brandon Hughes should be fully healthy. Like they don't necessarily need a lefty to start the 2024 bullpen. So I, I think he'll probably be a rotation guy. And then maybe we'll see what happens from there. Um, obviously he was great to start the year and then he really hit a, a tough patch in the rotation. So if that happens again, 
they know they can move him to the bullpen or maybe they just move on from him. I don't know. Yeah. And, and one guy that to me took a really big step backward was Keegan Thompson. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, you, you, you brought up a little bit to um, a Brandon Hughes, but Brandon Hughes and, and Keegan Thompson were two guys I thought that Ross really kind of relied on in 2022. And obviously we talked, you know, Brandon had the hit, you know, the injuries that were going on and, but Keegan, is there any just simple solution or just maybe a regression? What do, what do you see with Keegan Thompson? Yeah, no, that's a really good one too. And a really interesting aspect because going into the season, I thought he was going to be a huge component of this Cubs bullpen because he was in 2022. Like you mentioned, he also was in 2021. And like when he was at his best, it was, he was pitching multiple innings and then he would be down for a few days and the Cubs just ultimately realized that that wasn't the best path to success for this team. They couldn't have a guy pitch, even though he was really good and really dominant, have him pitch and then be down and unavailable for two or three days. Like that's not, that's not easy to do. And when they already had Javier Assad, who was filling, you know, the long role in a lot of ways, and you have Keegan Thompson doing that, it's just difficult. Like you, you run yourself with only eight pitchers down in the bullpen with starters not going long, especially early in seasons, you need guys who are available. And you look at Keegan Thompson's numbers on one on zero, one or two days rest. They're not great. It's like three or more days rest. He's dominant, but he just wasn't rebounding, wasn't recovering. I don't know if there was something physically like he had a back injury that kept him out about a month in the minors this year. I don't know if that was an impact. I know there was velocity concerns about him way back in spring training, if you remember that too. Then, mm-hmm. you know, he came out and looked pretty good his first few outings. But control was an issue. The ability to bounce back was an issue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I still think he's a part of the future. I just don't know exactly what role he'll fill. Maybe they will just have to use him as an every three days and he'll go two to four innings in, in that aspect. I don't know. But um, I do know. I, I don't think the Cubs are giving up on him. I do think it was really telling how his 2023 season went when it was like mid-September. They called him up and he went like eight or nine days on the big league roster, never even pitched, and then was optioned right back to AAA again. So, like, that tells you everything you need to know about their trust in him in the 2023 season specifically. So he's got a lot that he would need to work on for sure. Recovery, control, it it needs to be a rebound season in 2024 for him, or we just may not see Keegan Thompson in the bullpen moving forward. I'm not sure. Now, one guy that I think, you know, Cub fans – are going to maybe unfairly not be happy with, but really wasn't his fault was Jose Quas, who, you know, was, was involved in the uh, Nelson Velasquez trade. Mm-hmm. But basically like, I don't think that that was his intended role was basically to pitch every day in September. And they, they, they threw that poor kid in there and it was just like, all right, good, good luck. This is all we got. What, you know, as far as Quas is concerned though, he, to me, he's really interesting but, you know, I'm just wondering if maybe he starts in the minors and, and maybe gets polished a little bit more and then comes up later on in the season or, you know, see how he does in spring training. But he's one – I think he's a lot better than what Cub fans are going to give him credit for just because when they saw him, it was frustrating because he was always giving up runs, but it really wasn't his fault. Well, yeah, I mean, his numbers were pretty good. Like, you know, he had an ERA, like, just over three with the Cubs. He was pitching a ton. Like, 
he was a he was definitely a huge huge factor in the bullpen as all these other guys that we talked about got injured so yeah I, I don't know maybe what you said starting the year in the minor leagues there could definitely be some sense to that um I think he's pretty polished overall I think the the one thing with him is figuring out his pitch mix and just he has such a weird arm slot um obviously you just don't see it a ton it, it's not quite what Scott Efros's arm slot was but he he was a little bit better against lefties this past season because 2022 he was really dynamic against righties. So it's like figuring out what side he's best at, what pockets he's best at. He obviously had a rubber arm. I mean, he he was, uh, I think he was close to like top ten in the majors and appearances this this past season. Uh, so that was really big. I do think his role will ultimately be decided on what the rest of the, the offseason looks like for the Cubs. Like, I think because of the way the bullpen faded down the stretch, because of the lack of options that were, like, in David Ross's circle of trust, I think they're going to get multiple veteran guys who can pitch in high-leverage high spots. Like, I think last year they approached it as a whole. Jed Hoyer, Carter Hawkins, like, they, they wanted all the – they wanted to build a bullpen internally. They wanted these young guys to come up. Apart from Palencia and Luke Little, who had their ups and downs as well, there were no guys who came up through the system. And you saw, as we already talked about, Brandon Hughes, Keegan Thompson have regression. Brad Boxberger was hurt. Julian Merriweather was great. Michael Fulmer was hurt and had had some other issues as well. Like they they just need more guys. They need more depth. They can't count on on guys coming up through the system because it doesn't even look like there's a bunch of guys that are knocking on the door right now. Anyways, like Cam Sanders, Kane Acker, some of these other guys who had. Uh, pitched really well and showed promise in spring training or in the minors in the past. Control issues are a real thing. So, you know, I don't know exactly like who's coming up through the system. So I think that they're going to try to probably get some of those buy low guys that you talked about at the beginning. You know, guys like David Robertson, guys like Chris Martin, guys like Ryan Tapera, finding some of those guys, building a bullpen that way. And if they get a bunch of those guys and hit on them and look pretty good in spring training, then yeah, maybe Quas is a guy that starts in the minor leagues. Maybe Luke Little is a guy that starts in the minor leagues, whatever it may be. And if that doesn't work out, then maybe we'll see some of these guys on the big league, um, in the big league bullpen. And honestly, Palencia probably falls in the same boat. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Palencia starts in the big league bullpen or starts in AAA Iowa in the bullpen there. Now, I know that the Cubs have just come back from uh, a scouting trip in Japan, uh, you know, and, and Yamamoto is the big name there. But there's also some bullpen arms in Japan that could potentially, uh, you know, if the Cubs are wanting to spend money. But I guess to me, that's just a big question is, do they want to spend money on bullpen or do they think they could piece it together like they did in the past? I think ultimately they, they think they could piece it together like they did in the past. And Jed said as much uh, last offseason at the winter meetings, I think it was, you know, he said he really likes when bullpen is um, they're like being ahead of the bullpen market. And he pointed to like Andrew Chafin and Chris Martin as examples like these guys after they left the Cubs ended up getting bigger deals multi-year deals the Cubs prefer to prefer to shop and just because bullpen relievers are so volatile they prefer to get guys on lesser deals like the Brad Boxberger for like three million Michael Fulmer is four million one year like these things make a lot of sense for the team so I imagine that they'll be they'll be doing more of that and and honestly and when I say more is like continuing along but also more than just the two guys that they signed last year like I wouldn't be surprised if they signed three or four guys or have more waiver claims like Julian Merriweather or more minor league signings coming into camp like Tyler Duffy was stuff like that I just think they're going to add more proven guys in the bullpen at some point over this offseason now you know just to move real quickly away from the bullpen um this is some breaking news that happened in the last hour hour and a half is that uh, sources are reporting that John Maley is going to be back 
with the major league staff. Um, tomorrow is the anniversary of the Cubs World Series. 2016, John Maley was the hitting coach. Uh, under his tutelage, I mean, the Cubs made the NLCS three years in a row, 15, 16, 17. And then I think they let him go and they got Chili Davis, and that was a disaster. Uh, what do you think about Maley coming back, and, and what do you think he's going to bring to this team? Yeah, I think it's really interesting for sure. I don't know exactly what role he's going to fill or how that's going to play out. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the athletic reporting that is is definitely a very interesting wrinkle of this offseason. I think Maley's just held in high regard around baseball, but also within the Cubs organization. You just spelled it out really nicely. Like the rapport and relationship he had with those players, I think was really key. Now, obviously, almost none of those players are still around, right? Like, you know, I, I'm sure he knows Ian Happ a little bit and stuff like that. But other than that, like from the from the World Series team, there's nobody. Obviously, Happ came up in 2017 then. But, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know exactly like what role he's going to fill. Uh, I don't know quite like how the Cubs envision this moving forward. I do know that he's somebody that they value and serving, you know, in the minor leagues as a, as a hitting instructor as well. Like, I, I think they just they trust him. They trust um having another trusted voice on the coaching staff is certainly a help too. And then rapport with David Ross is key. Like, you know, being on the world series team together, him as a coach, Ross as a player, I think is really important. So just adding like more good, valuable voices in there, I think can certainly help. And to be honest though, I don't think the Cubs want to do, want to shake the system up too much from hitting. Like they probably exceeded almost everybody's expectations as an offensive group in 2023 they need to figure something out, whether it's bringing Bellinger back or signing Shohei or whatever else. They need to do more this offseason to, to try to get Bellinger's production or more in return. But like overall, they're not trying to like reinvent the wheel. And I think Bailey's just a guy that's going to kind of fit in seamlessly with like the offensive production. 100%. And people have to remember that Maley was Shohei's hitting coach in Anaheim. So you got that, and then you also have a lot of guys, I think, that are like on that bubble that already know, uh, John, whether you're talking about PCA or whether you're talking about, you know. Canario. Any, or, yeah. yeah, Canario, any one of those guys that, that he worked with, I think that'll kind of help with maybe the transition as well. No, that's a good point for sure. I think, yeah, the, the rapport with the guys coming up through the system this past season, absolutely. I think that helps, and um it's just it never hurts to have another valuable guy like that like we've seen Mike Napoli grow as a coach the last few years too and he had such a strong playing career and you know when he first joined as a coach like it was a little bit unidentified maybe of like exactly how he would impact the team and now he's been a huge impact on them um so yeah I think Maley will be kind of the same thing like bringing another valued voice on this coaching staff well, you know, Tony, I appreciate you jumping on here. Where can our listeners find your work, website, socials, podcast? Give us, give us the whole roundtable here. Yeah, so head to the Marquee Sports Network app. Uh, follow us on the Cubs Weekly Podcast or marqueesportsnetwork.com. And then on Twitter, at TonyAndracky23. Tony, thank you so much for jumping on, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, sounds good. Thank you.